Hey, ladies. These nice tables full of ladies. Hey, Jamie. Hey, everybody. Got some new faces, some familiar faces. Love to have you guys all here. Um, I do just want to say, I hope you guys got an email I sent last week as follow-up. I think I did it Monday, but just on some of the resources for the things we talked about last week concerning men. I really, really seem to resonate with a lot of women. I saw a lot of tears. I got a lot of comments. And uh, one thing that really blessed me was one of the women was sharing with her husband about what she had learned. And uh, it encouraged him to begin to seek mentoring other men. So, you know, I think often about, you know, the legacy of God's word at this place and how, um, you know, women come and they change and stuff. But that's really neat to see it goes beyond the women. You know, the men get encouraged. And I know a lot of our husbands encourage us to be here on Thursdays because it makes a lot of difference in their lives too. Amen. 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 So that's why I still stand here after all these years. I still need it, right? Um, I wanted to say also, this is a little sister business. Um, I was encouraged uh, last week to not, uh, by someone, to not mention Naomi as much. And I thought, you know, hmm. So I sought advice, some, or, you know, some counsel from other ladies, and they, they all go, yeah, she's right. And I was like, okay. So I thought about that, and, you know, Carol, uh, Naomi was the leader for, gosh, what do you think, maybe 35 years, and then it was Carol Jones, and now it's me, but, I, you know, it's not about any of us, and none of us made up this stuff, you know, this is God's word, so I'm, you know, I, I think part of me felt like unloyal if I didn't give her credit, because she's the one who had the vision and carried it out so long. But truly, it is God's word. So I'll, I'll try to make sure. When I just know that in my heart, when I say Naomi, I think of um, like Eunice. I think of my grandmother, my mother. You know, someone who encouraged me in God's Amen. word. <clears throat> but, but um, you know, and I encourage the ladies at the table as well. When you're, you know, the, we spend the first ten minutes, maybe longer, talking about what we've learned and what meant something and what's going to change our lives. But. I've asked the ladies, don't say when when you said when Jennifer said no. When when I saw this in God's word, when this was pointed out from God's word, so let's do try to refocus on that. You know, it's not about Chris Town, it's not about Naomi or Jennifer or Carol. It is truly God's word, and maybe we just needed to all hear that. So I thought I would share that because it it meant a lot to me today, uh, this week actually. So. Um, this is my Bible today, so you don't, you know, I, I like doing this because this puts it in our hearts that, hey, this is God's word, but I need bigger writing, and I did a lot of highlighting, so this is God's word for me today. Um, so we are going to um, pull out some more verses from Psalm 119. I found this uh, lesson very encouraging for myself, um, and I hope that I can relate to you uh, how these things meant something to me and have meant something to me in my walk. So let's start praying. Dearest Jesus, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for everyone that's here. I thank you for our ladies who made it on Zoom. I thank you for the ladies who drove an hour, drove an hour with babies. Oh my gosh, Lord, what a faithful bunch. And uh, Lord, this is the ever-widening circle. These women are sitting at your feet, hungry for your word and hungry to know how to walk it out in their lives and in their homes. I pray, Lord, that you would give us ears to hear 
incline our hearts to you, Lord, and help us to open. In Jesus' name, amen. So this should be sounding really familiar to you by now. I hope you've taken some time to memorize at least a portion, even the first verse, <clears throat> Psalm 119. It says, blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. You have commanded us to keep your precepts steps diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statutes. Then I would not be ashamed when I look into all your commandments. I will praise you with uprightness of heart. When I learn your righteous judgments, I will keep your statutes. Oh, do not forsake me utterly. So this word ashamed comes out. If you look up in different versions, it'll say ashamed or shamed. And specifically today, you know, shame to just mean, shame is kind of a psychology word we use these days. And it just means, you know, I there's just a, a hole in my heart. I don't feel worthy. This goes beyond this. This In this context, in the book of Psalms, it is talking about sin. He's ashamed because he fell short of God's standard or even turned away from God's standard and chose his own way. And so shame means to, uh, if I'm ashamed, it means I'm contrite. I'm sorry, and I'm regretful. And not that I got caught. <laughs> you know, I'm deeply saddened that I didn't do what God asked me. And the root of this shame is pride. I chose my own way. It's being boastful. I take credit for everything. And it's self-directed. I turned away. Okay. When we think about shame for unbelievers, it's eternal. Eternal shame. Inescapable separation from God. But God has what? He's reconciled us to himself. If we accept his son as our savior, we are reconciled to him. He takes that shame on us. He dies for our sins and we are whole and new and new creatures. And we are, and he considers us worthy. We no longer need to be ashamed. So if we as believers are shamed or feeling shameful, David obviously had that in his life, though he was a believer. Um, it, it's temporary. It can be temporary. All we have to do is confess our sins, and God brings us back into that relationship with him. If we have sin in our life, unbeliever or believer, we cannot have fellowship with God. You take that big step, you accept his forgiveness, you step into life as a child of God, and you have that forgiveness, and you don't have to live in that shame. He paid the price, and he has done the work. If we as believers are separated from Christ, is that Christ doing? No, it's ours. We've stepped away. We've turned away. We've not kept his ways. So that is on us. Thankfully, he gives us a way back. But we are weak. We lack the strength to do what's right. We sin. We have an old nature. It still lives within our, net, in our earthly bodies. And we have a wandering heart right? It is impossible to live the Christian life in our own strength. So that's kind of going to be the, if you had to pick a subtitle for today, that's it. We're going to learn how to walk in his strength. And know this, ladies, you have an enemy. 
We have an enemy who does not want us to succeed. And if you are living the Christian life, if you're living as God asked you to, if you're walking in Titus 2, the enemy doesn't like you. And he's out to get you. And he's out to turn your way to get you off that path. You know, I think my favorite writers in the Bible are the ones that show that struggle and, may, and I can relate to. And David is certainly one of those. We're going to talk a lot about his things, his verses today. But, you know, they, these are men of great faith and they also had great need. We have great need. I can relate to that. I, need, I have a great need. So, and for David, you know, if you were to take your Bible this week, you can consider this homework. And take the word teach and write out every verse that he wrote on teach. He's constantly looking. God, feed me. Feed me. Show me what to do. And he's asking for guidance. Keep me on that path, Lord. Show me. Asking for wisdom. And he asks for protection. And in Psalm 119, the most thing he's asking for protection from is himself. And he always goes back to God. He says, you, God, are good. I know I'm struggling. I know I'm not perfect. I know I need your help. But you are good and you do good. Show me. I want to learn from you because that's what, who you are. He says in verse 10, with my whole heart, I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. That wander word. Wander, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Oh. I sing that verse with my whole heart because I get it. And then there's Peter. Oh my gosh, do I love Peter. Matthew 26. Let's just see what happens with Peter. Peter's just kind of like a loose cannon, right? <laughs> he, he's like all, all in, all in. We get ladies like that here. They're all in. Oh, I'm, this is an awesome place. I'm going to come every week and we never see you again. Right? Just all in, that initial jump in, can't wait. Let's see. Make sure I'm in the right place here. Starting in 31. Okay, so Jesus says to the disciples, this is getting close to the time of his death. Then Jesus said to them, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered and said to him, even if all else are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you that this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me not once, but three times. Peter said to him, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. We're not going to stay in the, in the book, but uh, in verse 69, what happens? In first, starting in verse 69, it says how Peter denied Jesus three times. And then Peter remembered what he said. Immediately in verse 74, a rooster crowed, and Peter remembered the words of Jesus who had said to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So he went out and wept bitterly. He wanted so badly to follow Jesus, promised him, swore to it, I'm going to do this, but he didn't. 
just an epic failure. We all have those. And then Paul in Romans talks about, yeah, I know I should do this, but I do that instead. And when I know I should do that, I do this. You know, that whole chapter where he's talking about this inner struggle of wanting to do right. And it's like a wrestling match. You know, as much as he knows what's right, he's going to struggle. And he says, wretched man that I am. Paul calls himself a wretched man. So we should be able to see ourselves in these this light, ladies. Sometimes you guys look at the older ladies here and you think, wow, you guys have got it together. I'm here to tell you we don't have it together. Wretched man, we are all full of pride. We are still here because we still need it. So let's look at what David says about clinging to God when we're ashamed. In um Verse 119, verse 25. He says, my soul clings to the dust. Revive me according to your word. Now that's another word you could go through. If you wanted to just make a paper and put teach and revive and you know some of the words that we'll cover today and then just write those verses out and commit to memor memorize some of them to help you when things, when you're struggling. But 25 says, my soul clings to the dust revive me according to your word what does that revive mean? It means bring back to life we're dead ladies we cannot make ourselves alive we are dead in our trespasses and sins and christ salvation brings us to life and sometimes we turn and choose to walk in death what, what the heck right and so david's like help me help me get back to where you want me to be and then if you want to write down verse 88 i'll give you a couple cheaters for later uh 88 says, revive me according to your loving kindness, so that I may keep the testimony of your mouth. Again, he knows he can't even speak the right words without God, without God reviving his heart, changing his heart, bringing it back to life. And in 107, he says, I am afflicted very much. Revive me, O Lord, according to your word. Sometimes we're just in that place of dust where things are so hard, and I just can't even see which way to go. Revive me, Lord. Bring me back to life. And it's the word. Did you catch that in the first one? It's the word that brings us back to life. God takes his, his, his Holy Spirit is in you. He takes his word. And those two work together to change hearts and minds. Change the way we think, the way we act, the way we, the way we do. So one thing, you know, you'll notice when you look at these verses or Looking back at Peter and Paul, they believe and they know because it's true that God is sovereign. Ladies, honestly, can, in your heart of hearts, do you believe that God is sovereign? What about when things are really, really, really bad? Is God still sovereign? Yes, he is. Julia gave testimony to that a couple weeks ago. Is God good when things are good? Yes. Is God good when things are bad? Yes. No, it's always good. That doesn't mean we always understand it. But we need to lean in on that truth. And part of that, I think, ladies, I don't know why this came to me this week, but, you know, do you really understand what the Bible is and how we got it? Have you ever studied canonicity? In other words, have you ever looked at where the Bible comes from and why we have it? You know, God tells us to study that, we're, that we can be approved. That's what he said to Timothy. Study hard. There is a lot of really great studies on where this book came from 
It is 66 books written by 40 authors over a thousand years, and there's no disagreement in it. You know, what did it study? What did it take to get included in this book? There's, um, see if I write it. There was a criteria in, I think it was the year 1000. I don't have it, we won't, we won't high center, but, um, oh, here it is. There was a council that got together and they prayed and they went through the books of the Bible. And some of the criteria was, is it authentic? In other words, was it consistent with the truth? Is it dynamic? Does it demonstrate God's life-changing power? God's life-changing power. Is it received and accepted and used by believers? That's for the New Testament. For the Old Testament, you know, did Christ, well, I'd rather not, I'd rather not misspeak, but there's, it's full of numbers and things, but it's really, really interesting. Do you under, do you know what the um, uh, Dead Sea Scrolls are? Do you know why those are important? Do you know why there's certain, do you know what prophecy has been fulfilled that you can see in studying history and architecture and archaeology? You know, it's really important that um, we teach our children because we know what our children are being taught. They're being taught that if you believe this, that you're the enemy, that you are a tyrant, that you are out of control. Have you heard what they've said about the new speaker just because he's a Bible-believing Christian? And the man, from what I can tell, is a very mild, he speaks the truth, but he's not an in-your-face kind of, you know, he just believes the word of God. And they say that that's scary. And so your children are being raised in a world, and your grandchildren, where people who believe this are scared. So spend the time to understand it, to, to be able to stand on it, to be able to testify to the truth of it. Really important that we know God is sovereign and that we 100% understand that this is the word of God. And we also need to understand, you know what? God tells us not to take away from this book. My Julia was here last week. And she was talking about a book she read just because she wanted to, she had a lot of friends who were reading it and she was questioning, this doesn't sound right. And I won't quote it, I won't give you the name because I don't, I did not read it myself. But um, it basically says that um, submission is, for, of a, you know, for a woman in a, in a home, for a wife to be submissive to her husband is not right. Because in, their, in her mind, this writer's mind, that wasn't the way it was in the garden. And so she's built this whole case about why women shouldn't have to submit and that uh, it really works for her and her husband. And she uses her own life as an example. And she's like, I don't think this is right. And so we just kind of hashed through it. And I said, well, for one thing, how, is, how did creation happen? You know, Eve was created out of Adam's side to stand by his side, to be a support. So right there, she's She's got it wrong. And besides that, they were naked. So should we all be walking around naked? You know, if we're going to go back to the garden, we're going to really carry it out. Let's go ahead and talk about it the whole way, right? So anyway, just be careful what you read. No, I don't want it either. <laughs> just be careful what, you, what you're reading and what you're hearing and what bloggers, just because someone has a famous name and they, their blog is well-liked doesn't mean they're speaking the word of truth. This is the truth. Weigh it. Weigh it. A lot of times I won't recommend a book if I haven't had a chance to read it. And I, I don't have a chance to read you know, all the books that are thrown my way. 
But I have found that a lot of times when my friends, my close friends hand me a book is because there's something controversial in there and they want me to okay it. I'm like, no, not buying it, not buying it. What does this say? You know. So be careful, ladies. So revive me according to your word. Here is where life is. My, uh, somebody close to me uh, kind of got into Jordan Peterson. And uh, for a while he was reading the Bible, but now he's reading Jordan Peterson. And I was like, what's the shift here? Oh, this is, it's just so interesting. And he points me back to the Bible. And I just said, you know, Jordan Peterson may be a very smart man. Gives you lots of good things to think about. He's, I don't think he's a believer. And he's, he doesn't have life-giving power. He, his work can't divide, dig down in deep. And you're going to still be able to justify the things you want to and not feel that conviction by reading Jordan Peterson. This word is alive and powerful, sharper than two-edged two sword, able to divide deep down and discern what are the thoughts and intents of this heart. So don't buy into it, ladies. I mean, you guys are all so smart. I'm preaching. That's kind of fun to preach and require. You guys make it easy. And so another word that shows up as far as strength uh, in Scripture in Psalm 119 is the idea of keeping. So if you just look at the first eight verses I read, the word keep shows up, I think at least three times, maybe more. This idea of keep means protecting, you know, keeping that word close. In, uh, in verse 105 of 119, it says, your word is a light unto my feet. It guides a lamp unto my feet, a light on my unto my path. And what is the way? The way is the path. So his word shows us the way to stay on this path that he has for us. And the only way to, to know what that path is, is to spend time in this word. Charles Spurgeon said, you know, if you really, really want to know God's meaning and intent, you have to spend time in the word. You have to meditate on it. So you just can't go through the room with a candle. You gotta turn the light on and sit down and look. Ladies, I know, especially you mamas with babies, you don't have time to be digging in to, for hours, right? Take a verse. Look at the context and the content. Ask God how it applies to your life and meditate on it and chew it. Memorize it. Think about it through the night. And I promise you, God can take one verse. That doesn't mean you get to make up what it says. You know, it's not this. Ah, choose this verse. No, it's really understanding that one verse. What is it saying? How does God want me to apply it to my life and keep it? You don't have to spend hours. You could even just review your notes from Thursdays and they keep you busy all week. Just a little bit at a time. Contemplate. I've, I've been taking a class, a uh, Bible study class. Um, it's been really fun. It's just once a month. I thought I could handle it. I still can't keep up, but it's really good. And the teacher encouraged us to wrestle with God's word. You know, when you're contemplating, here's he, he pinned me. Here's what I do. If I come across something that's hard, sometimes I'll go, well, I know that's true because it's in the word, but I don't get it. But he, he challenged us to, to wrestle with God. And I think we have to do that when we're in a hard space. God, this is really hard and I don't get it. 
God can handle them. God can handle our questions. So hang tight. Let's see, I had two of uh, 119 pulled out. 82 says, my eyes fail from searching your words, saying, when will you comfort me? Right, sometimes it just feels like there aren't good answers. For I've become like a wineskin in smoke. Yet I do not forget your statutes. If I hang on to that word, no matter how hard and dark things seem, God's word is still true, and he will reconcile all that in my heart. The other one is verse 92. Unless your law had been my delight, I would have then perished in my affliction. That's one that I kept in a little flip book for years. But look at what this is telling us, ladies. Unless your law had been my delight. What did David do? He did his homework. He didn't wait for things to fall apart. God's word and his law had been his delight for years. And he kept it close. And then when things came up, he had that word deep in his heart to carry him through. So we want God to keep us. The other is, um, so now we're going to go to strength. So we talked about, David tells us, you know, God to revive me. He wants God to keep him in his way. And now he's going to ask God for his strength. In, in um, verse 28, I love that sound. <laughs> That's so sweet. Oh. Amen, brother. Yeah. <laughs> Does my soul melt with heaviness? Strengthen me according to your word. So we've got revive me according to you, according to your word, keep me according to your word, and now strengthen me according to your word. Are you guys seeing a pattern? Yes, his word. Ladies, I don't know. I mean, this is, this is what we have to, to stabilize our world, our life, is God's word. There is so much crazy stuff out there. Satan has been re, uh, re, unleashed in an unbelievable way. We need this word. My husband always reminds me, Jennifer, there's nothing new under the sun. This is nothing new. I don't know. It's, it feels heavier, but it could be age. could be, I don't know. But... The struggle's real, <laughs> and we need his strength. Um, so part of, of um, getting, um, appealing to God for strength is admitting that I am weak, right? Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, when I am weak, then you are strong. You know, if I'm weak, God can show up. If I feel like I can handle everything and stand in the gap and do everything myself. I don't need God. How many of us can testify to the fact that God shows up in a big way when things are hard? That we know him in different kind of way when we have to reach out to him. And for myself, I am so lazy when things are going good. And then we ask God, so we um, admit we're weak. We ask him for wisdom, for guidance all through 119. He talks about, you know, I'm, I'm wiser than my enemies because I have your word. We have the resource for wisdom, ladies. And then I need to obey. I need to have an obedient heart. 
And truthfully, I can't even obey without him. I need the strength to obey. I need to walk the walk. Let's look at verse 59. David says, I thought about my ways and turned my feet to your testimonies. There's the key to not being ashamed, ladies. We know the truth and we turn towards it. I made haste and I did not delay to keep your commandments. Do we dally? Do we question? Do we hang back? Do we wait for the right moment or do we obey? What do we tell our kids? Slow obedience is no obedience. Did you ever use that line on your kids? <laughs> yeah, quite often actually myself. But um, makes you wonder, you know, does God see that in us? I know he does because he can read our hearts and he's like, okay, you know, I told you this, we've been here, you know this, and you're still not doing it. Our obedience can be really slow. So what do, what kind of things do we need? strength for. I don't know about you. I need it for relationships in my life. I need it for my attitude. I need it for my decision making. Um, but here's what Charles Spurgeon says. If you're a believer, he says, if you are following God, the world is going to treat you as an alien for that is what you will be. Do you ever feel like a stranger here? Like, man, I cannot believe this stuff going on. I just don't get it. Well, that's because we're strangers. We have a different system of thinking. We shouldn't be surprised. That's what he says. He says, you can't expect to be at home in it. And if you are at home, it is an indication that either you don't belong to Christ or at least you're living far from him. If this place feels comfortable, not this place, but this world and what's going on and the taking apart of families, if that all seems okay to you, then... You need to get back in his word, child of God, right? So I don't know why I hang on to the expectation that things will get better or things will come back around. I don't know if they will or not, you know? I don't know how close we are to um, end times. But they felt that way, in the, you know, when Christ first left, there's still waiting for him to come back, you know? That's where God wants us. He always wants us looking, expecting. I loved this verse. Um, so if we need help walking in this world, we need his word. Look what he says in 63. I am, a, I am a companion of all who fear you and of those who keep your precepts. What do we need? We need each other. We need not like-minded believers. That's verse 63. Ladies, we need each other here to remind ourselves, to remind each other to remind those in our lives and to, to testify to what is true, to testify to his word. And in verse 51, he says, the proud have me in great derision, yet I do not turn aside from the law. Do you have the strength for the battle or do you let them push you back? Do you buy into their stuff because it's easier? well, maybe that's okay. You know, it is, you know, it is the modern day and the book is kind of old and 
the culture's outdated and you know maybe maybe they've got a point or do we say no i'm standing strong i'm standing strong on his word because that is what he says and he said it yesterday today and forever it's his word so i love that though we need each other even david said and then we need control we need strength controlling this thing this little rudder here this tongue we need to speak of his testimonies I forgot which one of these I wanted to read for this. Um, this was a sweet uh, thought. It just says, if we keep God's testimonies, they will keep us. They will keep us right in opinion, comfortable in spirit, and holy in conversation. Ooh, holy in conversation. And hopeful in expectation. It takes care of the whole bundle, doesn't it? If they were ever worth having, and no thoughtful person will ever question that, then they are worth keeping. So if I'm holding on to God's testimonies, it's going to guide my conversation. Verse 46 says, I will speak of your testimonies also before kings and will not be ashamed. We will never be ashamed before God for speaking his truth. And he will not be ashamed of us. What does it say in Galatians? If you are ashamed of me, I will be ashamed of you. God, God gives us, has a great expectation for us, but he gives us strength to do it. And he gives us the word and the wisdom and the direction and the path. How many times for myself do I find myself speaking around him, kind of inferring, like testing the water, like, is this person going to accept what I have to say, you know? Kind of guarded. I don't know. I don't think that's right. You know, I think we need to be respectful of others, but I think we need to speak the truth. We'd be bold in our faith. I'm just. We don't talk politics or anything, but I'm just dying to see what happens with Mr. Johnson as a speaker, who's willing to speak the truth. Will people stand up and join him? Wouldn't that be something? We've all been sitting back waiting, you know? We're waiting on each other. You go first. You say it, and then I'll see what happens, man. I'm enjoying it. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. I always, I love the ones um, of you, all of you, who are willing, when you're willing to just say the truth. You know, there's no question. There should be no question in people's mind that know you, who you belong to. And then you don't have to say a lot. If they know who you belong to, then they understand your motive, right? And you can draw them by the way you treat them or not. Do the opposite too. So I wanted to talk about Titus, kind of Titus 2 in general, as it relates to this, you know, God, the, the verse says that um, the older women are to be reverent, not slanders, not to drink much wine, teachers of good things, teaching the younger women to love their husbands and love their children and be discreet and chaste and homemakers and good, obedient to their own husbands. Here's the kicker. Here's what ties into this morning is the word of God be not blasphemed. If we blaspheme God's word, we should be ashamed. 
and I, uh, I'm going to chew on the older women a little bit this morning. You know, I, um, as older women, we have more time. And what I see in our culture is a lot of older women things that think that that means that, well, it's just time to let go of it. You know, I did all that and I obeyed all the rules when my kids were little, but now, woo, you know, I get to party and drink and dress like I want and hang out. Oh, wait, no. God has called us. We have this great commission to work with our younger people and our family. I, I'm just blown away. You know, but look at the place we have. We can look at a young mom in the store and say, oh my gosh, that little baby's so cute. That's so wonderful. Good for you. What a good mama you are. You know, or to teach our younger women to love their husband and what that looks like and what that feels like and how hard that can be, but what the wonderful rewards are. What do we have? We have our tongues and our memories to give testimony. We've had a lifetime of testimony to test God, for him to test us. And for him to test, for us to testify, it does work out. God is there. God is there in the hard things. He's there in the good things. Give him credit for the good and know that he's there in the bad. Who else are they going to hear that from? Don't ever say to a younger mom, you're so lucky. You are so blessed. God has given you whatever you see, a talent or a special child, whatever. You are so blessed. God has done a great thing in your life. Encourage them to use that talent for him. I um, wanted to show you. I won't embarrass her because she doesn't like being pointed out. But a friend of mine uh, invited me to stay at her place. And it was a place they used uh, not every day, like a cabin. And uh, handed me... Uh, it gave, us, gave, us, gave me a room to stay in. And in that room was this precious notebook. And I took these pictures with my phone, but these, these notes were probably 40 years old. And you know what they say? <laughs> the same thing that we're saying today. These are Christown notes from 40 years ago where God spoke to this person. And this person was close to divorce and had been through some traumatic things. And all these little notes she took for herself. It made me cry. This one's about how to resolve conflicts. Do you know what Carol Mason's teaching in second hour? How to resolve conflicts is pretty much the same thing. Recognize the conflict, select the best time, listen carefully, define the problem. I mean, this is the same thing. This is God's wisdom on how to relate to other people on how to grow your family. Amazing, isn't it? I still have my notes. I hope you ladies are writing it down. You got a journal. You have a way to keep things and remember things so you can share them. Ladies, we don't want to be ashamed when we stand before him. We confess when we do wrong. We ask his forgiveness. We walk that out. I did have uh, changed my notes around, so I left that little part that I think is important. So let me get to that. We have a little bit of time. So, you know, you take these things and you can treat them like a list. I'm just going to check them off. What is that? That's legalism, right? Where I just think that I can take this good information and take it home and do it. Right? Check off my little list. Okay, I made my husband dinner. 
I was nice to him. I let him choose the right TV channel. You know, yeah, great. You know, great. But what does is, what is God's word do? It changes our heart. And so it's a difference between coming here to just find out what I can do for my family. Um, this Bible is not about me. And it's not about you. And actually, a very small part of it is actually about marriage. But most of our life, if we're married, is lived in a marriage relationship, if we're parents, if we're grandparents, our lives, are, that's where we spend our life, right? So we can take his word and apply it there. But this word is about Jesus. Where is, is my family seeing Jesus? Or is I seeing a list? Do I see this relationship I have with Christ that I'm willing to ask forgiveness? I'm willing to offer forgiveness? If I am living out of legalism, here's what that looks like. I'm way too strict. My expectations are way too high. If I'm living according to legalism, I set the bar. And everybody has to come up to where I want them to be. But if I'm living in a relationship, I'm willing to offer. It's a dynamic relationship. It's based on what's going on now. I mean, my response would be what Christ wanted, but it's not based on the list. It's based on seeking his wisdom. My kid screwed up. My kid really screwed up. So do I, you know, how hard is the, is the discipline? What does dad say? You know, what do I, do I make him feel like he has to earn my forgiveness? Or do I point him toward God for his forgiveness? Do you see what the difference is? Living in a legalistic checkbook or a relationship with Christ? In legalism, I'm just looking to my list for answers. In relationship i'm looking for christ for answers for the wisdom from his word and every one of these things that, that um we got from the psalms today points us back to the word you know god's word revives us it keeps us it offers us relationship with him it makes us strong so enjoy <laughs> A lot of emotion with that you know we screw up as moms don't we <laughs> and a lot of legalism in my growing up even though i knew these things legalism is an easier place to be uh, in the short term but it has much longer term consequences if i'm living in relationship I still have relationship you know it's like um i've had to apologize to my children for being too hard um but i have a relationship with all and I'm very thankful, but we have to slow down to have those relationships and to pray and to work through things and not just to give the trite answers. You know, if all we, if our kids come to us with a problem and all we have is a trite answer or a smash down, oh, that's wrong. So-and-so said this at school, that's wrong. Yes, it's wrong, but take the time to discuss that with the kid. Let them bring those the questions to you. Remember, we, God can bring, we can bring our questions to God. There's no reason our kids, as they get older, especially can't bring their question. You want them to ask you because they, you want them to have the answers that God has, not the answers some education system has. So protect those relationships by filtering them and, and hanging on tight to God in his strength. All righty, ladies, let's pray. Dear Jesus, we thank you for this morning. Oh, Lord one strong message today lord stick close to your word lord may we stay close to you confess our sins lord walk in your way be obedient lord and just know that all these things are possible because you loved us first 
thank you for the ladies that are here and I thank you for this morning. I pray, pray that you would bless our second hour conversation, Lord. Help us to give the honor and the glory to you in Jesus' name. Amen.